Oscar Poker. Year anniversary. No 52 questions. weeks of Oscar Poker starts right now. <laughs> Bill, we, we're, let's jump right into the exciting box office uh, for the weekend of October 14th. And the biggest thing that happened in my immediate take was the death of the big year. Could you just run it down and what you think uh, happened? And we all know it, was, it cost about 41 million or so. Um, what, what's your take on what happened with that? This is one of the you know worst openings of, of all time. Yeah. Possibly. I mean, it's it's a disaster for a movie. You know, with Jack Black, Owen Wilson, and Steve Martin to open to 3.3 million, which is the the official weekend estimate right now. Oh my that's God. atrocious. Um, mm. So yeah, I mean, it, it was just a case of you know I think with every weekend it seems like we're getting away from this this system where you know stars can automatically open a movie right and i think hollywood's quickly waking up to that fact that if you make a movie about bird watching just because you put steve martin owen wilson and jack black in it doesn't mean that people are going to show up it's you know it's still less than the content is king and that's mm. you know, what's happening there. i, I would say that if you had um tom cruise in this film and you had harrison ford and you had uh you know uh Chloe Moritz. Uh, it wouldn't matter. Nobody would come to a movie about bird watching. I don't think. No, exactly. Yeah, and then Fox figured that out, and that's why you saw kind of a, a minimal, you know, ad campaign because they realized, okay, no matter how we try to, to hide this, this thing just isn't gonna, mm -hmm. isn't gonna fly. <laughs> um, <so>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. What so. if it was Brad Pitt and Angelina? Do you think people would go see it? No, it would just be mocked. I think it would be like, you know, <laughs> why are Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie doing a movie about bird watching. It would become, you know, the next Julie. So. <laughs> it's so sad because the producers are Curtis Hansen, Ben Stiller, and um, and the director's David Frankel, and it's Steve Martin, Jack Black, and Owen Wilson. I mean, it seems like a no-brainer that it would it would do well, at least better than three million. You know. Yeah. Well, poor, poor Curtis Hansen. He just he's had some, you know. He's he's taking his hits. I remember Lucky You, and you know, mm. you just can't catch a break. That guy. <laughs> oh God! But this is really bad, though, right? I mean, there's yeah. bad and there's bad, and people are gonna get fired over this, don't you think? But this was directed by David Frankel. Curtis Hansen was a producer. Yeah. Yeah, he produced it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Ben Stiller too. Yeah. As I was writing in my brief uh, some some summary of this uh, of this disaster. Imagine if David Frankel had actually stuck around and directed Moneyball. That movie would, uh, I mean, the, the chops that he shows in this film, uh, The Big Year, are very uh, awkward and forced. And uh, that, you know, that feeling where they're just trying to energize a story that doesn't really come alive on its own. They're trying to use all sorts of digital prompts and cutting tricks just to give you a sense of, you know, energy. Hmm. Really, uh, would have been Moneyball would have been a, a wipeout if he had if he had made it, given his, the chops evident in this film. So. Wow. Well, the story behind Moneyball did they go from they dropped Soderbergh and then he was the the next one who was supposed to come no, on, right? Frankel, That's how it worked. It was Frankel and then Soderbergh. Oh, Frankel. I, okay, yeah. Because I was gonna say, how do you go from Soderbergh to, to Frankel? <laughs> yeah. That, that's kind of like wow. It's um, not not a wise move, but yeah, this is you know. Complete what happened with the thing? I didn't even check with the thing. Uh, and I've the been thing is 8.7. 8. That's like, you know, that's nothing. I mean, that's uh, a blip on the radar. That'll, that'll be gone fast because, you know, anything that's horror, 
um, drops like a stone during its second weekend. Wow, um, God. The one, the one reassuring story of the weekend, the thing that I'm really happy to see is Ides of March fell only 28%, um, mm. which is actually a little bit better than we were even thinking. Um, we were putting it at like 6.8, 6.7 million, and it ended up doing 7.5. Um, so it, that's a that's a great great hold for this movie. Um, I don't know. It seems now like it's going to end up closer to, to forty than fifty million. Yeah. Um, but that's still a, a great accomplishment for a movie that opened at ten and a half. And that um, only so, cost twelve to make, right? Yeah, and and probably not a lot to market either because what you have right now is a movie that you know adults are talking about they're you know going to work and telling everybody go see eyes of march they're telling their friends everything like that so these next couple weekends you're not going to see a, a catastrophic catastrophic drop at all it's just going to be these like 20 percent drops consistently and plus how smart is george clooney he keeps the budget low 12 million and he's doing all his own publicity you know that's it's like a win-win situation for him and the Hurt Locker um, example is just considered an anomaly, and it's no, it made back its money, and it made a little bit of a profit. I don't remember that it <clears throat> very much at all. Didn't it just kind of lie there and do about ten million or something? It did twelve million, but it made back its money. I mean, I I remember because I had to argue it with people. Okay. Um, yeah, but I would still consider that an anomaly, Jeff, because I mean, you look at Best Picture winners and. They're almost, you know, always these, you know, mass, pretty massive, you know, mainstream hits, or they become that right. way once, once they are the, you know, Oscar frontrunner like King's Speech. I mean, that but, was successful, but once it became, you know, the, the apparent, you know, number one choice for Best Picture, it really shot through the roof. Yeah, and it, um, they also love it when it's a small budget and it makes a lot of money. That's like the best Oscar. That's why George Clooney's so damn smart to keep his costs so low. Because that is, he was pretty much going for Oscar with with Ides of March, and he knows that he's figured it out that the the big story during Oscar season is always, Slumdog Millionaire was made for only such and such, and it made this much money. You know, yes, the Hurt Locker box office, the the fact that Catherine Bigelow directed it and it was a woman director overrode that. But I'm just saying it does help. It's part of the momentum. How much? Yeah, money and I think that's an advantage Descendants will have because I see yeah. that being a, a you know has lot of potential in terms of mainstream success. I mean, you know, people really do respond to, to Alexander Payne's movies. I mean, Sideways and About Schmidt were both very, very successful. And this movie is, you know, more emotional, more, uh, you know, mainstream. It has a... No, I, kind of wait, I'm hearing a plane again. If I, can I know, just... me too. Um, it's not me. It's not me either, I don't think. What if it's no, been me all this time? Huh. That no, was it, weird. It's gone now. So, Sasha, just to be clear, uh, you're saying that if, uh, let's say, a film that is um, is a, a major film that 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 is, is is you know kind of blazing in its in originality and its and its stunningness, and it's going to be regarded as one of the great films of all time. If that film does not make back its budget, the Academy will ignore it. Is that your what you're saying? Is uh, pretty much of a pretty much of a rule telling us that no matter how great a film is no matter how lasting its value no matter how incandescent it is it will not be nominated for best picture if it doesn't make back its budget um no i mean it might it's a very slim chance that it, it has no shot to win if that's the case but um no, you didn't talk about winning you said it can't be nominated pretty no. much because that's an easy you know the thing about the Oscar race is that so much of it is is played out not on people's websites. It's played out in conversations around town. And as soon as the story gets started, Harvey Weinstein's like the master of this and always has been. But other people try it too. Other publicists try it. They and I know a few of them because I've heard them try it through me and I've heard I've watched other people take the bait and run with a story that they've started, which is bullshit like the advertising crap around social network last year, for instance. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that, um, that uh, you know, it just to me it just takes, takes it off of the subject, which is their intent, which is don't make it be about the movie, make it be about something else. And King's Speech had a great success story behind it. So did Slumdog Millionaire. It was, it was going to go straight to video, and then it made all this money, you know. 
-hmm. So they start talking, and if The Insider is one movie, it did get nominated, but I can remember it just didn't make as much money as people thought it should have, and that's really what hurt it. Um, The money can, it can make or break an Oscar contender, absolutely, and... um, Whenever I think of The Insider, I think of the horrible, absolutely detestable uh, marketing on the the part of Disney, failing to uh, deliver the key uh, of that story, which is that it's not about the perils of cigarettes and smoking and cancer. It's about the killing of a news story and corporations taking it. They couldn't say those words. They could not say those words. Well, it's a brilliant film, and they win. They win in the long run anyway because it's a it's a remembered and rewatched movie over and over again. It's like so. What the Academy didn't think it was the best picture. Who cares? It just reflects badly on them. Even the clearly sharp fellow uh, Jason Reitman believed that it was about smoking is bad. Remember he said that? that? That you know who wants to see a movie in which they're saying smoking is bad and. Yeah, thank you, Jason Reitman, for saying such an insightful thing during Oscar season. But um, <clears throat> well, actually, he said it uh, just last year, I believe. It was sometime during the uh, up in the up in the air. I know it was one of his bombed out interviews. <laughs> it's like, shut up, Jason Reitman. But um, you know, what, it, what it, is the bad blood between Sasha Stone and Jason. <laughs> no, I don't have bad blood. I like the guy. I do. I just think he's, you know, an entitled little prick. <laughs> <laughs> No, no. But anyway, back to the box office. Uh, yeah, so, Phil, anything else happen um, uh, that we can talk about this weekend that you found significant or interesting? And uh, Yeah, uh, the skin I live in opened. Um, and oh, yeah. it, uh, it's Perfect. actually doing quite well. Um, it made uh, $231,000 from only six screens. So that's actually a, a really great start. Um, I, don't, I don't think, I mean, from what I've, I haven't seen the film yet, but it doesn't seem like an Oscar contender, but... It's I not. Mean, it's it's minor, Pedro, but he's such a sublime filmmaker. He knows so well how to do what he wants to do that even when he's on a minor key, it's really good. So, you know, you never come out feeling burned by anything here it does. So. Hmm. Yeah, and I mean, Sony Pictures Classics is doing it. Actually, he, they handle his films really well, I think. They, they nurture him and, and they help, you know, find an audience. And, you know, he does have a very loyal following as, you know, it's, it's obvious, you know, based on this that people in, I mean, six locations, it's New York, L.A., so it's mm-hmm. the more intelligent film goes or film goers are, are turning out this weekend, but, you know, it's, it's reassuring to see that stuff, and I, and I love, you know, Oscar season when you get these, um, you know, great, you know, intelligent movies that open on six locations and just totally knock it out of the park, so mm. it's always a, a good thing to see that, um, but yeah, that's, that's it basically then for, for this weekend in terms so- of... So Phil, did you get a new iPhone this weekend? Did you go with the crowds to get a? Do you are you an iPhone person or? A I am, but um, no, I didn't get the new one. I I just uh, I did get the new operating system though. I have that, um, <laughs> one thing at a time, you know. Oh, right now you can load the new operating system in on your phone, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, OS five. Yeah, the the but, first day it was out there was some, there were some problems with it, but now you should you should be fine. Okay. But you don't. Yeah. But you cannot um, uh, load Siri. Of course, that has. You have to buy the, the the actual new phone for that to happen, right? I think so. Yeah. 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 Sasha, you don't care. I, I definitely want to get that new phone for that reason. I love that Siri idea. What a great thing that is for people like us who are doing a lot of their stuff on on the road. You know. I was going to say, yeah, particularly driving, and you know, you, you don't want to be an idiot and text or something, and you can just eliminate. Yeah. A, Get a lot of stuff done. It sounds great. So. But I think I'm just going to wait for the iPhone 5 because um, I, it's going to cost me a pretty penny to upgrade to the... And I know when the iPhone 5 comes out, I'm just going to want that. So I'll wait. And it's not going to be too long. And I've got a perfectly fine phone now. Yeah, I feel the same way. But um, I'm not sure exactly what's happening with 5. Now, 5, of course, will have all the things that the 4 uh, uh, S has right now. But why are they bringing out 5 so quickly after the introduction of an of 4.0s or whatever this is called you, do you know um no i don't know well, i think that that uh, i mean i it's horrible to say but they probably wanted to release something before steve jobs died they probably knew it was towards the end and this was going to be the last um iphone or apple significant apple release before he died and um 
Yeah, they did it once before, I think. They made like a half release of something before they put out a full... Oh, wasn't it the 3GS or something? like? And then they had the iPhone 4. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely worth waiting for the iPhone 4, and that's what they do at Apple. Like They make it irresistible for you, so you're going to have to buy twice. You're going to have to buy the, the new one, and then you're going to have to go buy the iPhone 5 because you will have to have it. Um, what is supposed to happen in, in early 12 or something? I'm not sure, but I know that the significant thing about this new one, other than the personal assistant, which is so cool, is that they opened it up to all sorts of world markets, different phone companies, and so... That helps a lot of people who couldn't get iPhones before, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we here in the United States who have iPhones have to upgrade to it, you know? Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, what else do we have? So how? So we already talked about Moneyball, and you think that it, it, it'll at least make back its budget? It, it, it might squeak to that point, yeah, mm-hmm. but it's going to be a stretch. It's, uh, it's not holding up as quite as well as I thought it would. Um, but you know, what are you gonna do? It's, it's that's just the name of the game. And I, you know, we've been over it before. But I think the whole reason is it doesn't have the you know, World Series victory at the end. It doesn't have the big the <laughs> fireworks. Yeah. Um, that's it, and that's what stops it from. That, that's the difference between you know, sixty million and ninety million. <laughs> yeah. No, you're so right. You're so right. And it, you know, a lot of people that like my daughter or whatever that might find it more boring. You know a little bit boring because it's so talky-talky, but almost everybody, every adult that sees it comes back and says, oh, God, I loved Moneyball. It was so good, you know. Yeah. They get as word of mouth. I stand corrected. I'm looking at boxoffice.com, and I see that Hurt Locker's budget was $19 million and it only made $16 million. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it did lose money. Yeah. And thank you for the plug. <laughs> <laughs> I use boxoffice.com all the time. Good, good. Yeah, like it's a great it. website. I don't see anything really that significant except for paranormal activity for next weekend. However, um, there is finally the, de- the de- de- debut of um, Martha Marcy May Marlene in New York and L.A. and La Havre, which I still haven't seen. That played in Cannes. I still haven't seen it. Mm, Got to see that. That's such a good movie. And uh, I think um, Mar- Martha Marcy May Marlene, I think that could kind of break out I really do um you know I think uh the, the Olsen angle you know news a lot of news organizations will jump on that and um Fox Searchlight I'm, I'm just a big fan of the way they handle these smaller releases they do an excellent job um so watch out for that one um and speaking of which we did get one Twitter question just one <laughs> and it's um, from Ty Landis, and it's, given how successful Fox Searchlight is in pushing their actors and actresses, how likely is it that Olsen from, you know, Martha, Macy, Marlene, will get a nomination? No. This I, is the question. Not going to happen. Oh, okay. Number one, the one people will see the movie, they're going to uh, all well, a good part of them. In the same way that people want the home run and the big pennant win at the end of Moneyball, the same people are going to say, "What happened at the end of that movie?" And that is what people have been saying. That's what I was saying, frankly, when I saw it in Sundance uh, last January. Hmm. Uh, it does not deliver a, an ending that you can really, you know, it doesn't resolve anything. It leaves a kind of, which is why it's interesting. It's why it's, a, you know, it's a good film because it has the integrity of ending a film on a kind of a iffy, I don't know what's happening, I feel anxiety, uh, and it's not going to go away, you know, ending. That's kind of original, and I like that. I, I admire those guys. Yeah. But, but the character she plays is traumatized by having been under the, under the heel of this uh, cult that she has run away from. And she's, she doesn't even know how to extricate herself psychologically from the past. She's very, very, very t- intimidated and, and kind of wounded and, you know, been abused in, in all kinds of ways. But you're looking for her since we are, after all, sitting in a theater watching a screen. This is a movie. You're waiting for her to finally say or do something. Uh, take charge of the situation, not just be uh, traumatized throughout the whole thing, and she never does anything. And that's not 
going to result in a that's not what people want to see i don't care you know it's just like the way they want that home run at the end of moneyball they want a character to do something to uh stand up and take some action to uh, alleviate or 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 transcend you know uh, mm. get past a problem and she does yeah. not do a damn thing that's but, true but she's so good in it that and she's so pretty and she's so naked that it's possible that they like her enough to put her in the club you know She's such a promising young actress, and gosh, women have gotten nominated on law less than that. The, the, the character has to provide some satisfaction, not just the performance. She has already been launched. She is known as a, one of the younger actresses that you want to have in your movie. She's fine, but she, her, she doesn't play a woman who does anything. She just is reacting in a kind of a fascinating way. She plays it well, but she doesn't do anything, mm. right? You have to do something other than just go, oh, I'm really scared. I don't know what to do. Oh. You know, it's, it's, you have to go beyond that. That's like first or second act material, but not third act. Um, well, I, Phil, did you want to say something? Because I was about to start, start in with Best Actress. Oh, no, no. I, I was going to say, I got to I have to run, actually. Oh, no. You always have to leave, Phil. I feel I have <laughs> I abandonment oh, issues. No, <laughs> <laughs> That's Phil's whole thing. is this limited window. We gotta I know. Out. Okay, okay. All right. So is there anything else box office-wise that uh, we need yeah, to do? I think we got it. I think we covered it. So. Okay, cool. All so right. It's nothing big, right, Phil, in terms of a big hit, there's, except for Paranormal, which is the third one. That's not going to do anything. So that's that's pretty much it. Next. Real Steel is kicking ass. No, I mean, Paranormal Activities 3 is going to be huge. I mean, there, there's no question. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of films that have Oscar ramifications, that, that's oh. it, I'd say. So. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. We will talk right. next weekend, and, um, and uh, I promise to recognize you the next time we run into each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I'll have to be out in L.A., but, yeah, for sure. Oh, okay. I'm coming right, back. Talk to you All right, bye. bye. So you don't uh, want to go to you don't want to go to the old place just I, I would I'd love to go to it it's just not a good night because I my sister my younger sister is having like a harvest dinner at her house and uh, she's invited us to come up so what if she harvested personally is it this something she stuff she's grown herself yeah yeah so what does she grow what does well actually she's only grown a tomato but still they just like to hang out with us I guess and they invited us up so I'll bring Emma and her friend up there. Mm-hmm. I've had the, her friend over for the weekend and, and um, took them to the Natural History Museum yesterday to see the Spider Pavilion, which was pretty cool. So, um, anyway, the problem with Elizabeth Olsen and, and is that there there isn't a spot for her. Like, if you take Best Actress, you've got you've got so many you don't have any many spots left. You have Meryl Streep, you have Glenn Close, you have. Um, uh, um, Michelle Williams, you know, just try getting in the way of a Weinstein. <laughs> You've got that's three already, and then you have um, uh, who's the other one I'm thinking of that I'm missing now? Um, um, Tilda Swinton, that's four, uh, and then you have a fifth spot, which maybe could be um, your the one you're championing. Um, Oh, no, how could I forget? Viola Davis, of course. Viola Davis is in there. So the locks right now are Meryl Streep, Viola Davis, Glenn Close, Michelle Williams. So you've only got one spot open. So you're going to not you're gonna not vote for Tilda Swinton and, and instead vote for Elizabeth Olsen? I don't think so. I think Tilda Swinton's going to take that spot. Um, but if she doesn't, it's going to be Rooney Mara from Dragon Tattoo. Um, Elizabeth Olsen, while a great performance and a beautiful girl, just doesn't turn in the kind of performance says that these other women have turned in and they deserve to be rewarded for that you know and what is it that is other than the fact that Tilda Swinton is uh, strong and striking and you certainly do have a vivid memory of her uh, after seeing we need to talk about Kevin but uh, again I kind of so it's a it's a, it's almost a hateful film because of that young character I don't understand other than she herself, on her own terms, being a, a you know, fairly riveting, mm-hmm. powerful actress. Why, well, why because actors be- vote for actors. They don't. It's not about executives or producers or designers deciding who they like the best. Actors know good acting when they see it, and they know a great 
actress like Tilda Swinton turning in that kind of performance, which I consider to be a career best performance, they're not going to ignore that. You know, there is no way. The only sort of questionable nominee right now to me is Michelle Williams because I haven't seen that movie. I wasn't invited to see it. I know she's got a lot of buzz and she's got the wine scenes behind her, but I sort of have a feeling that that's the one with wiggle room. Because it's, it's. I think there's definite wiggle room in Tilda Swinton. I'm sorry, but I don't believe that movie sells it. I don't believe that 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 she created the evilness in that kid just because she's aloof and not a natural maternal presence, which is what it seems to be saying. He says to her in so many words, you know, uh, I'm part of you. You made me into this fiend that I am. I, I never bought that, and I think it's a it's it's a. Lynn Ramsey goes big time for this impressionistic swirl of color and and it's you know it's about how much fun she's having as a director making mm-hmm. it and it's not so much about us getting where she's coming okay, from. Okay, well look, just look at it this way. Tilda Swinton is so popular in the Academy that she won supporting actress for Michael Clayton. You know, in a part that she barely did anything. So they nominate her at the drop of a hat. They love her. Well, actually, they didn't nominate her for I Am Love, and they didn't nominate her for that other one that she did. Remember? Um, it's wonderful, actually, in I Am Love. I liked her a lot more in that than I do in the... Well, it doesn't really matter if you like her or not. It's more about what they think of her as that. an actor. You said it's because they like her. They will... They, they, the actors, the academy, the branch. It's not just any Joe Schmo. And I'm a Martian who flew... Terrible. You're not an actor, Jeff. You, did you go to acting school? been on stage <laughs> that's right you have i forgot about that I've been in two <laughs> no i trust your taste i just i know you never liked we need to talk about kevin from the beginning and um i'm just not going to drop the bone on this because <clears throat> I, I know that ebert championed her with that other <clears throat> excuse me ebert tried to get her nominated for what was it venus or something there was some movie she did and it she didn't it didn't fly and then they tried to get her in for I am love they did a huge campaign for that she didn't get in so it's possible i don't think though that if she's knocked out that elizabeth olsen necessarily takes her place you know um you right? know, I'm just going to have these anger things uh, a lot i guess when we start talking about this because you're the hard-bitten realist and i'm the dreamer i guess is who we are really you know uh and uh, you, you talk about political realities, and I sometimes dispute your assessment of the political realities. But I, uh, you know, again, I, I just think that when you see some performance like Olivia Coleman's, which could even be sold as a best supporting actress, yeah, you could yeah. say that, you know. Uh, but they're not going to make any effort anyway, so what, what am I talking about? But it's just, I'm trying to just deal with what I feel is truly the best, truly the strongest, and you're more attuned to the political, social realities, well, you have and to I'm take, not disputing your... You judgment. have to take a couple of things into account. First of all, the, the amount of people voting, you know, thousands, the SAG branch is huge, and then, you know, you really need a SAG nomination. Elizabeth, Olivia Coleman could still get in. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I did get a notice from their publicist saying they had just set up an L.A. screening of it. Can, you, can I ask when you received that? Uh, the other day, you no. know, like right around the same time that you put out that, that article that they weren't having any L.A. screenings, I got an email that said, here you go. I'll find out the exact date for you in just one minute as I look it up here. But um, Eve Beeman of Falco Inc. is their New York person, and um, he, I, I don't remember getting anything from anybody that perhaps I overlooked it. Um, yeah, here it is. It was Steve Beeman, October 13th, he sent it to me. He said, here you go, press screening, November 8th, 10 a.m. at Lemley Royal, which means I have to skip yoga to go to this, (laughs) which is going to bum me out, but that's all right. I should see the movie, so I will go do it. I believe it is showing, um, I believe it opens sometime around November the... What, what would that be, Sasha? November, is it the 18th? 18th, it says. Opening November 18th in Los Angeles at Sunset 5 and Pasadena Playhouse. Now, we are in, of course, in the midst of October. Uh, right now, the, the date is, we're right in the middle, aren't we? Isn't it uh, like, the, yeah, the 16th. Yeah. So we've got another two weeks to go in the month of October. Mm-hmm. And we have then another week after that. And that's when they're going to have the first L.A. screening, November 8th. 
That's what it says, yeah. So Olivia Coleman, does she have a very big part? She has the unmistakably the lead female part, but you could call it without any uh, wiggling around a supporting role because she is not the lead. The lead is played by Peter Mullen. She's the person that he develops uh, into a relationship with, and she certainly is a catalyst as far as mm -hmm. his character is concerned, but I would not. You could certainly argue it, uh, you know, that she's a uh, supporting. You could say that, but you so, could also go the other way. Let me ask you this. How much of your love for her and your fighting for her is to do with, because I know you, Jeff, you're a softy underneath it all, and you're, you really like to fight for the underdog, and um, what I want to know is do you, how much of this is her actual acting ability and how much of it is you just want her character to triumph because her character's abused and she fights back and you're rooting for her. So how much of it is just straight her acting and how much of it is you're kind of wanting to protect her character? Um, well, it's certainly you certainly do feel for her. You want to see her overcome this horrific marriage that she's in which is abusive awful abusive awfully abusive and uh i certainly do feel it but anybody would it's not just softy me sitting or you know i, I mean I'm, yeah i do feel for characters like this and i do want to see them but it's the way the film treats it and the way it grows and develops it, it's not uh um and there's something in her eyes the way she uh she wants so much to you feel that she needs uh, to be uh, fulfilled, she wants happiness. She wants spiritual fulfillment. She, she's a, you know, she's a person who walks around with a Bible in her hand, but she's also throwing down shots of vodka in the back room. You know, it's it's a, there's a mm. lot of complexity to it. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like, sounds wonderful and sad, and um, I can, really can't wait to see it. And then we also have Charlize Theron and Young Adult to contend with. You know, supposedly that's a really great performance. And she's a big, beautiful star. You know, everybody loves her. So, um, and a and a, a brave performance, as we've said, seventeen or eighteen times on this podcast uh, over the last six months, that is going to alienate probably a lot of people because she is a dislikable character. But oh, Charlize, you mean? Oh. Her, her, no, her the, the character she is playing that Diablo Cody right wrote is is not a person you want to you know. <laughs> have breakfast with or get to know she's her. not i mean is she really because a lot of times her characters you and are like her you know you they're they're snarky and they're behaving badly but deep down you end up liking them you know i'd like that to be the case i'd like it uh, I, I i have a sense that i'm going to just like uh, charlie's because I, she gets to really uh kind of rip it out and and do interesting things with this you know and she's um so I, I'm very much looking forward to what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, you know, it would be a, wouldn't be a bad idea to start maybe letting people see it well in advance, um, a couple, you know, month and a half. It's obviously been ready for a long time. I'd sure like to see it. I know. It's, it's very strange that so many movies are being kept to the last minute. I mean, I, I do think that they don't like all the blogger chatter about movies. Mm -hmm. it takes it out of the hands of the publicists. And... Here we are with so many movies waiting to be seen. Um, we bought a zoo, Cameron Crowe's movie, still hasn't been seen, and nobody knows anything about it except for the trailer that was released. And yeah, extremely loud and incredibly close. Um, hasn't really been seen. It's been seen by a few people. Um, mm -hmm. War Horse, not seen, right. and Dragon Tattoo, not seen. These are major movies, you know, mm -hmm. um, and. It's kind of scary to think that it's all going to be happening within the next two months. You know, it's just crunch time. Extremely Loud opens in November, so we're going to have to start seeing that soon, right? Uh, yeah, is it a, it's a Thanksgiving-ish movie. Yeah. Is that, is, yeah, okay. So, right. um... Well, it's really a kind of a, I don't know, it's, it's odd, but it's, I feel a, a kind of a lull energy, maybe because I've just come back from Toronto and... New York and tell you by that long, you know, that was all that energy that went into that. I just feel it's kind of just, I don't feel anything happening. It just, it's flatlining. <laughs> it's flatlining because it's the calm before the storm. You know, I remember last year it felt like that right before the King's speech started, or there was sort of a shift like, um, 
all of a sudden it felt too quiet. You know, it just felt too quiet. Something weird was happening. I don't know if I quite feel that way right now, but I do know that things are, things start to really shift when the when they start doing top first the National Board of Review and then the top ten lists and then the Critics Awards and that's a whole big flurry. And then you have the Guild Awards and then the Oscars and the Guild Awards are always the big um, indicator of what's going to win the Oscar as they were last year because the critics turned out not to matter at all. So it'll be interesting to see how we all approach this year with having the industry completely dismissed the critics 100% unanimously. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be interested to see how it all shakes out. I think that the critics are going to do, do kind of weird things. They're going to throw up their hands and figure, what the hell? You know, Oscar isn't listening to us anyway. We might as well just do whatever the hell we want, you know, which I hope they do, and they should. And there won't be any one big winner a la Social Network. It'll be a, a, a much more of a grab bag potpourri thing. So I think so. I think that we'll see some really strange movies coming out as, as best picture from the critics. And then you have to always just think, it doesn't matter what they say, you know. All right, we'll have a great time at the harvest thing, and um, maybe we can do the whole place sometime um, when you have a moment. I, I, it would just be fun. I really love going up there, and I just like the vibe. So I'm sure do you'll you like Do you want to do it? Are you, because it's only been 46 minutes, so is it just like the most boring conversation ever, or what? <laughs> it is reflective, <laughs> as I think. It's kind of the low energy everywhere over this town. Uh, I, uh, it's, it's a good time advertising-wise. I feel lovely about what's, uh, about the about how the, the country is on its knees and there's uh, 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 Occupy protests all over the world. I feel like I'm almost, you know, uh, this is one of the most comfortable times of my life uh, financially and, and I'm have, I have a successful business and it's a uh, thing I love doing and you feel the same way about your life. So uh, I feel like I'm, uh, I'm not in pain uh, like everybody else is, but I feel, uh, it's, 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 but it is a flat time uh, energy-wise. There's just nothing percolating really so yeah well i feel that there is percolating going on because the ha oh how, how come you didn't go to the hamptons Fel film festival this year you know it's just not the same without you getting pulled over by the cops <laughs> i you know if i were to uh, uh, i never did pay the ticket oh god or straddling lanes way back when uh, no i paid the uh the, the all i did was i didn't do anything wrong in understand i just didn't have my lights on uh, full all the way. That's what I was pulled over for. And it happened to be one of those cars where you flip the lights and it looks like the light's on, but what are, you only flip on the parking lights. So that was Right. Oh, I hate that. I do that all the time. So that was the thing. But if I were to go back there, I would, and I got pulled over, I'd, I'd actually go in because there's another ticket I haven't paid and I just don't respect New York enough to do it. Uh, you mean if you go back there to the Hamptons and drive and they pull you over, you'll get arrested? I have to pay this ticket for straddling lanes, which I got in New York City, uh, driving down Broadway, actually. And I was just, I said, you're kidding, straddling lanes in New York City? I mean, wow. This is, you know. Who was that, a rookie cop? I mean, usually that never happens. It's like, look, the, the, the word has gone out uh, with many uh, governments, uh, you know, uh, we need the revenue, folks. So uh, get what you can from traffic violations, because... Uh, New York City was never a place where you would worry about something like that. Los Angeles, yes, they're predatory in this town, but uh, it, that's the way it is in New York. So uh, I understand the motive, but I just don't respect the, the system. It's like being shaken down by the Al Capone mob in the 1920s. I just don't, there's something in me that resists doing that. I hear you, I hear you, but you still got to pay the ticket or you'll end up in jail. You'll end up in jail, exactly. You don't want to end up in jail. They got all the power. You have none, no power. Um, so are you going to go down to the Occupy LA protest and check that out, you think? Yes, sure. Absolutely. I don't even know where it is. I, downtown, I presume. I guess it's down. I drove down by Pershing Square yesterday to try to find it, and I could not see it there. So, um, mm. But I feel kind of like you do. Like um, I'm so supportive of these people, but I feel kind of guilty because I'm doing really well financially also, you know, and I feel like... Um, I've, I, haven't, I haven't been hurting at all during this recession because, for whatever reason, the industry that we're in isn't hurting. You know, there's money yeah. to be made. Yeah. Um, it's but not I, like people you know, rolling and, and buying homes, but there's, you know, for the first time in my life, really, I have, I have an actual feeling of, of security and comfort. Uh, yeah, I bet. 
Um, you know, what's, almost what's, don't know what to do with the feeling. It's almost it's I, same here. I don't know what to do with it either. It feels completely bizarre, and like any second now, it's going to go away. And <laughs> it really does. I wake up and I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Really? Wow!" You know, it's just like. But I, I also feel sort of like with this Oscar stuff that I built the house of bricks. You know, because I watch people around me and I see how hard they're struggling and. You know, I, I know people like Glenn Kenny and James Rocky would say, you know, you suck, you're you're just a big whore, and you know, you don't, you're not a real journalist, and it's sad that you're making money and and other journalists are having to struggle, and you know. Those, I, those guys have never said that to you. You are a completely genuine journalist, and they would never say that to you. Is that what they're saying? No, but that's the insinuation that they always make about Oscar bloggers, both of them. They never say it directly to me. They would never be that rude. Okay. But that's the insinuation. Um, and But it, what I mean by a house of bricks is not necessarily that I'm covering, that I was at the right place in the right time for the Oscars, which I was, but that was because I helped to create this hideous circus. <laughs> but I think it's it's also in terms of knowing how to build websites and having built a website early, like 1999, and same with you, you know, sticking in one place. Like, look at your site. You haven't done anything to it, really. You know, you haven't upgraded it particularly. You haven't changed it. You haven't tried to evolve with your site. You just keep bringing the content every day, and people return to it. It's been essentially the same thing since uh, April of '06 when I went into the bloggy blog format. So. Yeah, and then people don't need or want more, and yet you keep watching these sites, and they think that there's you just need so much more razzle-dazzle than you do. And, in fact, razzle-dazzle gets in the way. I mean, we're tired. We have so many different websites screaming at us every day to look at stuff, you know, and, and it's the ones that we know we're familiar with that we return to or tend to. So that's why I feel like in the right place at the right time. Like I stuck my ground. I didn't move. I didn't go to another site. I didn't let anybody buy my, mm-hmm. you know, my website or anything. So that I feel like, I, you know, I worked hard for over a decade at it and I'm successful. That's the American dream, you know. Mm. So for better or worse, you know. <laughs> But I, I still think that the Wall Street guys should pay. I mean, it sounds so stupid to say, I'm doing great, but, you know, keep protesting, guys. Yeah. But yeah. I'm not a top 1% at all. I'm a 99%er for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep, yep me too. So are you, right? Uh, that's, that's who I identify. That, that's who I, that's what I feel. Yeah, absolutely. So you got to start putting it into property, huh? Maybe investing something so... Yeah, somewhere along the line, I should do that. Absolutely, I should yeah. not dilly dally. I should try and and build a um, uh, a secure framework of some sort. Yeah, and property's the best. My mom had all this money invested, and she she decided to take it out and put it in an income property because she said that she knew that the, her my brother had just lost all this money on the stock market, like a lot of money in one day, like fifty thousand dollars or something insane like that. And she was like, I'm taking out my money and I'm just going to put it into property because you can't really lose there. Mm-hmm. You know, you can a little bit, but she bought an apartment building and she's renting out the units. And so she's making money every month. Plus, she's got this great investment. That's where she put all of her money instead of putting it in the banks because she just said you can't trust the banks. Yeah, of course. Now, especially since they're holding on to all that money, you know. Absolutely. So that's good. I'm glad I, I applaud your mom and her, her good sense. That's good. Um, so we don't have enough time. This is our, our one-year mark, and it's been so lackluster. <laughs> that part of the calendar, you know. I guess it'll start punching up, what, the, right after um, November 1st. Well, again. you didn't want to talk about my, um, my exhaustive article on how I figured out Best Picture this year, right? Because I did do that. I went through year by year. Did you happen to read that article yeah, that I, I did? I don't think I did. I'm sorry. I, no, I, don't be sorry. I just wanted to tell you about it. But, um, but I don't think you can ever predict anything based on past. It's uh, everything is the past. Is no, only- no, I didn't do it based on past. I, I did it because I read. I happened to read through what the Academy said about how they're choosing Best Picture, yeah. and I wanted to figure it out. Like they said in their press release that they went back through between 2001 and 2008 to see what movies would have how many movies they would have had in Best Picture if they're using the current system that they had, meaning they counted the number one votes and they figured it out. And they said, they didn't say which years and which movies, but they said that depending on the year, it was between five, 
one year it was five, one year it was six, one year it was seven, one year it was eight, and one year it was nine. Mm-hmm. So I went back through those years, and I tried to figure out which movie would be the ones that got pushed in without, say, a director nomination or whatever. And it was really easy, actually. It turned out that there were really only five movies that had enough Guild support and enough Academy support to get the best picture, and then there was maybe one or two or three, sometimes four, movies that were pushing in. Uh But it was really obvious to see which ones they were, and I think it'll be the same way this year. I don't think it's going to be that hard when we get down to it to figure it out because um, you're going to know by the Guilds how many how many films appear with the guilds, you know. Um, You're saying what, it's going to be the, the um, artist or something? I'm not saying for win, I'm saying for nominations. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah, and um, yeah, you're going to probably have to start with five, and then from five you have to say, okay, and which other ones are going to be pushing into the five? But you have to start with five. You can't start with ten. Steve Pond's assumption is that it's going to be about seven. That's what I think, too. That's the average, seven, six or seven. It doesn't go nine very often. It's almost impossible. And five is probably rare. So you're going to look at six or seven, at the most eight. So that's kind of interesting, huh? Yeah. Yeah. My my energy couldn't be more down. I'm so sorry, Jeff. Why? What happened? (laughs) Did you have a late night? Uh... No, I did not. I, you know what I did? It was one of those days I didn't feel like doing anything other than one brief bike ride. I didn't even go out. I didn't do any chores. It was just, I think you have to have one of those days every month, maybe. Yeah. But you just sit there and do nothing except write and watch movies, and that's it. You know. Did you really? Oh, my God. I did the same. I watched The Apartment, that movie, and I watched it twice. It was so good. Have you ever seen The Apartment? Uh, I think that the uh, uh, I my greatest most passionate respect are for the films that uh, plant all their seeds and let them germinate slowly, gradually, take their time, and then last fifteen twenty minutes pays off, pays off, pays off. That movie mm. pays off so. God, uh, is it good? Yeah. It is so good. First of all, Billy Wilder might be the best director ever. He might be the best, because he did Double Indemnity, he did um, Lost Weekend, he did The Apartment, he did Sunset Boulevard. I mean, he's, he's insane. But um, his that movies... When Jack Lemmon uh, is showing her his bowler hat, uh, gives him her little mirror to look at. The mm. This is the same cracked mirror, cracked glass that he saw in his apartment. Oh, that I moment know. is really... Uh, it's so brilliant. It just hits you, and it's cinematic. It's metaphoric. It's just beautiful, like the two sides of a person. And he, he likes her so much, and he thinks she's an honest girl. Yeah. And she says so many great lines Shirley MacLaine has all through that movie. And one of the best ones is, I always forget when dating a married man never to wear mascara or something like that. It's just so great. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I, it finished, and I had to turn it right back to the beginning and watch it again. Mm. It's, it's going to be... Uh, I'm such a fetish for seeing black-and-white movies at their very best, at their, that Blu-ray luster. I just cannot get stop it. If they come out with any significant black and white movie, I am going to buy the Blu-ray. I don't care what. I'll go without food in order to get that Blu-ray. So mm. It is coming out on Blu-ray, so I'm going to definitely have it uh, in my library fairly soon. Oh, you mean the apartment hasn't come out yet on Blu-ray? No, it's only been on uh, you know DVD so far. Oh, gosh, that's great. I can't wait for it to come out. Um, that is so exciting. All right, well, Jeff, I, I want to go off the record and talk to you about a few things, but let's just say goodbye now. And Okay. Let us uh, hope for more energy, more excitement in our <laughs> next weekend. In fact, next weekend's going to be another dud from all the movies that are opening, but let, let's be positive. Let's hope for let's what's going Let's try. <laughs> okay, we can, we can boost up our energy. and can't expect things to be percolating every day, every week. There's always got to be those valleys. You can't expect to be peaks. It's so. true, it's true. And I did a movie day yesterday, too. God, it's amazing how many movies a person can watch in one day, isn't it? <laughs> I think I watched like five movies yesterday. But, um, okay, so nice talking to you. Nice talking to you. All right, don't hang up. I won't hang up. All right. 
You've been listening to Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com, Phil Contrino from BoxOffice.com, and Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com. This is episode 52. We'll be back next week with episode 53. And you can follow us on Twitter at Oscar Podcast. And the bumper music was a live version of Layla by Eric Clapton. And in a little while... Um, William Shatner and Lyle Lovett off of William Shatner's hilarious new album. Thanks for listening. In a little while, surely you'll be mine. In a little while, I'll be there. In a little while, this hurt will hurt no more. I'll be home. When the night takes a deep breath And the daylight has no air If I crawl If I come crawling home Will you be there? In a little while I won't be blown by every breeze Friday night's running to Sunday on my knees That girl, that girl, she's mine Well, I've known her since Since she was a little girl with Spanish eyes When I saw her first In the pram, they pushed her by Oh, 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 my, how you've grown. Well, it's been, been a little while. Slow down, my beating heart. A man dreams one day to fly. A man takes a rocket ship into the skies. He lives on a star that's dying in the night and follows in the trail a scatter of light. Turn it on. This is ground control to Major Tom. You've really made the grade. And the papers want to know whose shirts you wear. Now it's time to leave the capsule, if you dare. <laughs>